We're there. Do you have a nice chat, Dave, anyway? That's all right. It was down there, then he was there, and I'm like, hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. My name's uh, Steve, and uh, I help lead the church here. And uh, just to encourage you, if you are new to Jubilee, if you're considering whether Jubilee is the home for you, then please, you're invited to my house with uh, my wife Jo uh, for lunch in a couple of weeks. So do pick up a yellow leaflet on the table. Do sign up. We'd love to help have you in our home. We will be providing lifts after church. So just to remind you of that. Also, it's been really fantastic. We've got a number of newer Christians in the life of a Jubilee. Uh, maybe you're a Christian, but we'd really like to know some more foundations of the Christian faith. We run our beta course here at Jubilee, and that's on a Wednesday night at quarter past seven. It's a great opportunity, if you're new to the Christian faith, to come along, ask some questions, have a great time, make some new friends. But maybe as well you at the moment, wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you have some questions. Maybe you'd like to find out more. Also on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we are running our Alpha course. We had a great uh, week last week. There is a few spaces left. If you'd like to come along and join us on our Alpha course, that starts at 7. We have a meal, a short talk on some aspect of the Christian faith, then a discussion around the table, and we'd love to invite you as well. All the information, there's so much information, isn't there, but if you go to the red board outside, that's our information point. There are leaflets and all the things and sign-up sheets. So we'd really love you to get uh, involved with that. Well, we've been working through a series which I've called Our Values. We're thrilled as Jubilee to be part of a wider family of churches uh, called Regions Beyond. And we've been sharing what our values are as we start this new term. Again, on the information point, if you are new to Jubilee or maybe you've missed a couple of weeks, you will find all those values are in a little booklet that you can take away. And they really share what the foundations of our church are. What are our values? What is our culture that we're wanting to create here at Jubilee? We started Jubilee, my wife and I moved with a small team from Middlesbrough about 11 years ago now. When we met on the Thornton Estate, not far from the uh, city centre, we didn't deliberately we did we sorry we deliberately didn't advertise where we were meeting and the time because actually we wanted to reach new people with the gospel not just the christians who were a bit disaffected with their church and wanted to be nosy and, and come and have a look um, however people did find out where we met including carl and jane which i remember and they're still with us and we love them to bits um, so they sneakily found out where we were but what we got i got people to ring me and then i'd put people off on the phone you know, then I'd sort of suss them out. Um, but uh, one, probably about, about three or four weeks in, we had two women come into the church, and they were really enjoying the worship, uh, joining in with our worship time. And then kind of at the end of the service, this kind of woman sort of came up to me at the end, and uh, this is great for PA, and she, she sort of came up to me. I'm just going, oh, Annabelle, yes. <laughs> She came up to me, some of you heard this story, and she said, Pasta! Pasta! There are too many people smoking outside the front of your church! And I was like, Did you, are you okay? Yeah. Yes, okay. There are too many people smoking outside the front of your church! And I kind of stepped back, and I was like, There are not enough people smoking outside the front of the church! 
Oh, no, I didn't. I said in my English accent. I'm sorry. There's not enough people smoking outside the front of my church. She was a lovely woman who loved our worship, certainly, I'm sure, loved Jesus. But what was she saying in that moment? What she was saying is, these people that are starting to come to your church are not religious enough. They should be sorting out their lives first before they come in the doors. How should you have people that smoke out, you know, maybe come into the worship and then go outside for a fag? How dare they enter the Lord's house? Surely they're evil. Surely they're sinners. That's what she was saying behind that question. And it's often the religious. And it's the religious spirit that sometimes affects people where they think they're better than anybody else. They're holier than thou. Of course, what I did was, I was very kind to her, of course. And I said, let me just recommend you another couple of churches. I'm sure you'd be very, very welcome. (laughs) And gave her the the name of a church. Well, I know she'd fit in amazingly. See, my Jesus, our Jesus, was called a friend of sinners. Now, of course, smoking's bad for you. Wouldn't encourage it. That's why we provide help for people to get out of the addiction of smoking, among other addictions. But we're called not to be a holy huddle, a safe middle-class church, but we've been called on a mission to love and reach those who are outside of Christ. And those who are on the journey of discipleship with different varying backgrounds, than us. Now that's because a key foundation of Jubilee Church, and it has been from the beginning, is embracing the poor. This is our value. We seek to continue the apostolic directive to remember the poor so that we will all participate as co-equal partners in world mission. See, Galatians 2 verse 10 says this, All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. See, the early church led by the disciples or called the apostles, along with Paul, have also met Jesus on the road. He fell fell from his horse. He was blinded. God came. He then became a follower of Jesus, Paul the apostle. Paul writes, we should continue to remember The poor. What does remember mean? It means to make mention of, to hold in remembrance, to keep at the forefront. And they have to be kept at the forefront of the church's mission and care. That is a directive. It's of great importance in that it does not mean we just serve the poor. We do things for the poor. We just pity people. We just give and give and give. It's so much more than that. The poor are joined with us on mission. We are co-equals. They contribute. They enrich. They serve God with us together. We embrace one another. They're not at the edge of God's purpose, but joined, connected, central, and of great value. That means that at Jubilee, we are committed to loving and serving the most vulnerable in order that God would bring salvation, that God would challenge and bring change, but that in order that they would come 
on the mission to reach our city and the nations with the good news of Jesus. So if you want comfort and neatness, this isn't the church for you. Our church at times is messy. It will challenge your arrogance, your attitudes, your perceptions. But if you're willing to change and become more like Jesus and have a passion for those that he loves, then this is the church for you. And I'm so thrilled that we've seen a church, a growing number of people who were willing to be more like Jesus by embracing the poor and marginalised. That means not just helping practically, but when on a Sunday there can be noise, we can be doing translation, there can be smells, there can be distractions. We celebrate what God is doing among us rather than complain because it becomes about me rather than about Jesus and about the mission he's called us to. See, when the biblical parable of going out onto the highways and byways, inviting people to a feast so they can eat and join with us, is demonstrated at a church lunch, we're doing the gospel. When professionals join the church, doctors from the hospital and businessmen, when they come in among us and say, we love what you're doing because we want to embrace the poor. When students come along and they realise, do you know Jubilee's not the best place if you just want to hang out with loads of Christian students and have parties and great things done for you? It's not comfortable, but we are a family that is diverse, that loves and cares for all and calls us to serve together. And so I'm grateful that we are growing in this embrace of the poor and the marginalised. One of our members, David Lund, is growing in his embrace and understanding. And we're privileged actually to have one of the best photographers in the world specialising in liquids. This is a, one of his photographs he did up here. And he's a great friend of mine, and I've been enriched by his example and his story. And Dave does have a love and care for the poor, which comes out of his own experience. I just wanted him to share for a few minutes a bit about your own story. So do share with us, David. Okay, hi. Um, I told Steve to scratch his head if I go on because I can, <laughs> when I talk about God, I can get a bit carried away. Um, I'm, totally, I'm honestly not too sure what to say. I've been praying all week, and I just said, well, God, when I get up here, you tell me what to say. So I hope it makes sense. Um, w- one thing I, I really, it's on my heart. Um, if I get a bit emotional, I, I make no apology for that because it's just very difficult to, t- uh, to speak about it, to be honest. But um, my past was pretty crappy. <laughs> it was not great. Um, my childhood, I remember sleeping in a plastic bag uh, in people's gardens. Um, I remember being home late for half an hour and being made to sleep on the pavement, um, having to get a train instead of in the car because the dog had my place. Um, <laughs> it was just, it could go on and on. Um, I ran away once because my stepdad poured boiling water over me. Um, so I'm not going to get emotional. <laughs> um, so anyway, and the thing is, what I've learned is, um, despite very, very difficult emotions, and, and if I'm honest, real hatred for my stepdad and, and my mum, I've learned that God's revealed to me that actually they're broken. They are so broken. My mum was abandoned the day she was born. And as a kid, when you're growing up, I believed lies, and I kind of learned that actually the worst, the most damaging thing in life is believing a lie about you, that you're rejected, that you're not wanted, that you're not loved. 
And that really set me up to become very determined. So everything I did, I did extremely well. Sport, I did it. Um, uh, college, I thought I'm going to be a graphic designer. So I went to college for seven years. Could have been a doctor or something, but I went to college. <laughs> so, and I came out and I was the really good designer. And I decided, no, I want to be a photographer. So I sold my house and spent a huge amount of money on kit because I want to be the best photographer and, and it just goes on and um, what I want to say is God has been so faithful to me because he is a loving father and the worst thing I've done is try to keep God at arm's length. There are so much, so many mistakes I've made in my life and there's been so much pain and to be totally honest, I almost died a few times. Um, I almost committed suicide about two o'clock in the morning rang my mum up the next day. She just said, you're pathetic, and put the phone down. And so it just was a cycle, a cycle. But the thing that's actually changed my life, and I, I don't say this because I'm on a, on a stage in church. I say this with all sincerity. Jesus really loves me and accepts me just as I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go on. But I could go on for ages. I'm, but I just, there's this one little story I want to say. It, it just reveals to me how involved and how close and how real God is. It was um, this hole inside me that I've tried to fill by being brilliant at work and brilliant doing this and whatever. I just, no matter how many relationships I had, and I had lots and lots of relationships, I just continually felt this emptiness. So no matter how wonderful it was, I'll then destroy it. But it went on and on and on. And I ended up getting so desperate. Someone told me about a guy in New Zealand that could pray for me. So I flew to New Zealand. <laughs> it was Sunday, Wednesday I was there. Someone told me about, um, oh, I met, heard about uh, a guy called Roland Baker, Heidi and Roland Baker, and I heard them speak. I thought, it's amazing. So I thought, I literally emailed him, and he was in Pemba, Mozambique, and I said, look, can I come over? I'll do photography for you. He said, yeah. So I literally drove down to London, got the ticket, got the visa, got on the plane, and I was there the next day. Uh, just for a chance of getting prayed for. That's how desperate I was. But when I was out there, this is the one thing I want to end on, is that, um, that God did something to me that said something to me that really made me realize that he loved me and accepted me, and I was complete. Now, just a few years before, I had this vision. Now, I'm not one for visions and pictures, and, uh, but this was real. This was totally real. I was in a church, and I was worshiping God, and suddenly everything disappeared and I just saw Jesus' face and I, I promise you it was as real as anything and his eyes were so full of love that it was overwhelming and, it, and the strangest thing happened, the word yes came off God's face, just the word yes again and again and again. It was like this overwhelming, complete and utter acceptance and Jesus was smiling at me. So I'm in Africa last year and I'm in this meeting and I'm thinking, God, you would smile at me and this complete stranger came up to me, put his hand on my shoulder and says, God wants you to know he's smiling at you. Wow. Two days later, towards the end of this time there, I was uh, praying. I said, God, please don't let me go back home the way I've come. Please. Complete stranger, never seen her before in my life, came up, came up to me, put her hand on my shoulder and said, God wants you to know you're not going home the way you come. <laughs> But the one thing that's happened to me, when things happen that go wrong in your life, it does give you empathy for people. So when I became a Christian, the very first thing I did within weeks was there was a homeless guy who just said, uh, I've got nowhere to stay. And I instantly said, come live with me. 
uh, he ended up stealing off me. <laughs> but he became a Christian and became a friend. It doesn't matter. But he needed that, and I was there for him. And um, I, I, I'm not going to say too much more, but I, I just want to say that there were so many times in my life where God's been faithful. So, so many times where I just think, God... I just can't bear it, but I know that you're with me. I know that you're for me. I know that don't ever, ever, ever believe the lies that you're not accepted and not loved, just who you are, not what you do, not what you achieve. And the reason I'm in this church is because Steve's an inspiration, the leadership's an inspiration, and it's about loving people. If we don't love people, we're not a church. There you go. Thank you, David. Thank you. Dave still hasn't got it all together because he's like me, still working it out, what that means in his life. But isn't it great? You know, and if you hear David's story, it is horrendous. It's, I hear many horrendous stories almost every day, but it is horrendous. But he's still here by God's grace and mercy and knows the smile of God in his life. And that's so wonderful. So how do we embrace the poor? The key for all of us who understands God embraced first of all to us, as David has said so well. It's through his mercy and his love that it motivates us then to extend mercy to others. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Joel 2, 13, So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, he's slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. If you're not a Christian here this morning, or maybe you are a Christian, you need to hear that again. God is gracious. God is merciful. He's slow to anger. He's not up there with a big stick waiting for you to fail, waiting to hit you, waiting to punish you. He's full of kindness and love and grace towards us and he calls us to himself the bible says it's god's loving kindness that leads us to repentance repentance is a turning around going a different way if you don't know jesus the bible says you need to turn away from your old way of living and live a different way and it's not by just people pointing out all the bad things you do because many of us here already know and feel bad but because of god's kindness the bible says he draws us as you experience God's kindness, as you see it, as we talk about God's grace, as we go out onto the streets next Saturday and tell people about the kindness of God, it will draw people to himself. It's so key for us. And if we keep experiencing that for ourselves, see the word Hebrew for mercy, it means to get inside someone's skin, to look at where they view life and feel what they are experiencing, to move in and act on behalf of somebody who's hurting. That's what the word mercy means in the original context of Hebrew. It's your head. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he chose to leave the comfort and glory of heaven to become one of us. He was mercy in the flesh. He wept with the sorrowing and gave companionship to the lonely. He healed the sick. He hung out with sinners and the outcast. He took little children into his arms and embraced them, and he blessed them. He forgave those who beat him and came against him. 
And the ultimate outcome of that mercy, of course, was his death on a cross when we deserve to be punished for our wrongdoing. But God showed mercy to us. He took all our sin, all our shame. He died in our place. We deserve punishment, but he gave mercy. Ephesians said, for God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I've seen dead people, not in my dreams and things. We all have done that. <laughs> or a zombie. But I used to work in a hospice. I've seen when people have died. You know when people are dead, they are dead. And the Bible says we were all dead. There was nothing we could do to rescue ourselves, to receive forgiveness. But God made us alive in Christ. He did it all. He reached out to us. It's so wonderful. Dead people can't do anything, but God did it all. And it was God's mercy, therefore, that rescued us. And that is the mercy that we need to understand for ourselves so that we can reach others. So just this morning, I just want to pick out three things for us. How can we be more merciful? How can we give a greater embrace to those who maybe feel marginalized, maybe on the outskirts, those who are poor. Well, first of all, it says this. Well, my first point is this. We need to fall in love with mercy. Often, I'm asked as a church leader, as a pastor, some people come to me, I want to know, what is God's will for my life? What does God want for me? Or sometimes people say to me, you know, I sometimes go to meetings and people have prophecies. I really want a prophecy for myself. I want God to speak to me. I want to know his direction. There's nothing wrong with asking God for direction. Perhaps even wanting someone to encourage you and prophesy over you is not necessarily wrong. But for all of us this morning, if you're seeking what is God's direction for my life now or in the future, I do have the answer. I have a prophecy for every single one of you, and it's from Micah 6 verse 8. It says, he has showed you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? What is God's will for your life, for my life? And it's this, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require? What is God's will for us? Is that we love mercy. It's not an option. It's something to be sought, desired, even cherished. Do you love mercy? If you've received mercy, your response should, wow, more and more. And want to then give out increasingly. Share God's love around you. You may be seeking God, where should I work for you? Maybe you're called to another city or another nation. However, the best place to start is to be a missionary of mercy where you are. We should be known of that in our workplaces, in our communities in our families, as a people of mercy and kindness and love. And we want Jubilee to be known as a church of kindness, of love, of mercy, and of embrace. That's our value. Secondly, this. We're to demonstrate mercy. Zachariah says this. The word of the Lord came to Zachariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. See, mercy is not just a feeling. 
but it is an action. We are there to demonstrate it. And here God in that verse highlights that we show mercy by not oppressing the widow, fatherless, the alien. The alien doesn't mean sort of green men from outer space, okay? It means the stranger. It means those who's not their home. In our contact, that means those who are seeking asylum, refugees, Polish, economic migrants. See, the opposite of oppression is to relieve, to free. So it means we, rather than oppress, we welcome, we bring in. We welcome those to our city where their first language is not English. We want to help, to love, to extend kindness and mercy. The greatest difficulty for many asylum seekers is learning English. I'm so thrilled that Jackie Fox has, and her team have set up Let's Talk English, a language cafe that runs every fortnight here at Jubilee to help learn and practice English. Here on a Sunday, Neil or Terry help translate. Why do they translate? Because we want to draw people in. We want to embrace those who otherwise would feel isolated. Maybe at times you find that annoying, distracting, or you can move seats. More than that, you can actually extend welcome and love by rejoicing that as a church we're helping people to grow in God by understanding what is said. And you can go and say hi. You can invite them into your home. You can go the extra mile. That's why at Jubilee we do have a passion for those who are homeless, those at risk of being made homeless. We love to receive and support those with mental health issues. We love to befriend the isolated and lonely. We want to help give people self-respect, an opportunity to work and take responsibility. Each week as people come into our building, it's not just about running different projects, a college, the big issue magazine, showers, laundry. We're not just doing it so we can deal with our social conscience. It is our way of demonstrating the mercy of God, his love and compassion to demonstrate his mercy. As Penny Poynton sits in a room over there and listens to people's stories and comes alongside them as a counsellor to support them, why does she do that? Because she has love and mercy for people, wants to point them to Jesus, to help them come through. That's mercy. To feel compassion at the news of a stillborn child, to listen to health issues that people are worried about and haven't told anybody. It's such a privilege It's such a great thing to be a church that reaches out, that loves people, not just in our workplaces and our communities, but as people come here. What a privilege it is to stand with people in their trials and difficulties, to help clothe and accommodate. And it's often the religious who will say this. But some of them do take drugs. I think that's a bit obvious. Some of them are alcoholics. You need to be careful because you're going to be taken advantage of. Yes, some may take drugs. Some are alcoholics. Some will disappoint and let us down. But that's why we're people of mercy and kindness. We've understood God's grace towards us. We know that we let God down, that we fail. It's just not so obvious when we fail, is it? When we lie or cheat, people that we often get away with it. It's a bit obvious when you've got bigger issues going on in your life. But we're not going to give up on people. 
We choose to go the extra mile because God's heart of mercy is directed to the poor, the broken, those without hope. And God wants us to keep demonstrating his mercy. And lastly, thirdly, respond to mercy. It's very much tied in. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, because of God's mercy, it, it changes us to live our lives differently. It affects our attitudes, our thoughts of people, our care of people. But it also makes us want to live for Jesus, to live holy and pure lives, where we put God first. See, God's mercy will help us to live out our lives daily as we serve him and others. See, Jesus demonstrated incredible mercy, and he expected us as his followers to do the same. Sometimes we can lack mercy towards people who sin differently than us. And it's often those who are most religious who are often the most rigid and unmerciful. And we need God to break that religious spirit in us and allow God in. Because often those people, they are hard because they haven't understood God's mercy for themselves. They're very hard on themselves as well as others. Many of us are constantly being shown mercy. And at times it's draining. It's hard work when we feel let down, when a situation doesn't go as well as we expected, when we've worked so hard walking with somebody and something happens. It feels like we're going forward, then 10 steps back. In the book of James, it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And James reminds us that we're to continue to grant mercy to others instead of judgment. Therefore... 2 Corinthians 4.1 says, Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Maybe at times you lose heart. Maybe there's somebody in your family and you keep trying to help them. They keep letting you down. God says don't lose heart. As we reach out to people, the individual, it's difficult. We don't lose heart. And it's so easy to do that. I'm like that. I'm busy I don't just turn up for work on a Sunday, you know. I'm busy. On Thursday, I was busy. I'm still running New Horizons because we haven't got a a full team to help lead that. But I love doing New Horizons because we're trying to work with those older people who are isolated and lonely, bring them in. One lady came in last time and she said, I haven't been out of my house for three months, but I wanted to come here with my friends. That's why we do it. <laughs> and yeah. Who are we, why are we clapping? We're clapping because that's, that's why we do it. That's what mercy is for that lady who doesn't yet know Jesus. She wants to get to the church for the New Horizons group. And I was setting up and trying to do the teas and coffees. And fortunately, I did have one helper helping me do the teas and coffees this week. And a lad just comes in, a young lad in his 20s. And what happens is the doorbell always rings and they said, I can't remember what he said, the Wilson Centre sent me to Jubilee because they know you can help. And that happens all the time, all kinds of issues. We have tourist information as well, all kinds of things. (laughs) Who knows what we can help with. But I was making the coffee, I was thinking, I've got to get sorted out. I still haven't sorted out the room. 
But I just thought, no, wait a minute. I've got to show mercy to this guy. So I said, just come in, I'll make you a cup of coffee. And he said, I've just been all around the houses. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he explained his situation. He'd been in addiction, been free of addiction. Relationship breakdown, he was homeless again, but didn't want to get back into addiction. And he just sat there. And I just put my arms around him. I didn't ask him. <laughs> should have done. Could get hit. <laughs> but he just wept and wept like a baby. And he just said, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping and try to resolve it. And then Kathy was on reception. <laughs> so I was like, I have got to make the tea and coffee for New Horizons. <laughs> so I'm, I'll take it along. Here, just sit here. And Kathy said, he's hungry. So we run up to the cookery group and say, is there any food left? And we feed him and we love him. And who knows what's going to happen to that young man. But that's mercy. Even when it's difficult, even when it's a sacrifice, that's the mercy that God calls us to. And we need the work and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to keep extending love and mercy to that person at school or college which is, who's really annoying, who frustrates everybody, but you know is going through a really difficult time, has a difficult, difficult background, to extend love and mercy, to come alongside the person in your workplace who is always gossiped about, put down, is to come alongside and extend mercy. I hope we're all challenged. Whether you're here during the week at Jubilee where mercy's happening all the time, or whether in your workplace, your school, your college, your university, we all need more of God's mercy. God calls us not to lose heart, and it's his Holy Spirit that will empower us to reach the poor. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, Jesus said, to preach good news to the poor. That's why we're called Jubilee Church. It's in the Jubilee passage in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is it just to make me feel good, to make me wobble, to make me fall on the floor? That's great. But it is for that we would bring good news to the poor. That's our foundation as a church. Can we just stand together? God wants to continue to fill us with compassion and mercy. And he'd do that by knowing his embrace of us, that we too would then embrace others. And I want us all to respond to God in this moment. Lamentation says this in the Old Testament. It says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. See, today's mercy, God's mercy is here for us. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you do know Jesus, but we all need God's mercy. Maybe if you lost heart, we need the Holy Spirit again to empower us, to fill us. God wants to enlarge our vision. God wants the depth of our compassion to go deeper as we reach and we love people in this city and in the nations of the world. Whether it's poverty on our doorstep or poverty far away, God is calling us in our mission together in regions beyond church families to love people. I just, when I went to put my, um, what's this called, uh, microphone on, I thought, oh, I've got a message on my phone. I just quickly checked it, and it was uh, from Donna in Burundi. 
where we've got to work there. And we've been praying for rain this week, and it's rained. And they're planting the first crops for refugees, praying for a harvest for next year. It's here. We're part of caught up in that mission. I'm excited. Thank you, God. It's rained in Burundi before we plant our crops. We're all part of that, whether it's locally or internationally. But we all need God's mercy. God's mercy's here for us. We're going to do something a bit different in our response today. We're just going to, I'm going to play a song to you, a song by Tim Hughes called God of Justice. And in this time, I want us to reach out to God. Maybe you want to sit back down again, that's up to you. Maybe you just want to lift your hands. Maybe you want to kneel, however you want to respond to God. But let's ask God for his mercy for us and that we'd have mercy for others if we could play that. Please, Robin. God of justice. Lord, come and fill us with your compassion. Come and fill us with your mercy that you would send us with greater power in Jesus' name. Let's just respond to God. Let's listen to the words. Let's just reflect. Let's ask God to come to us.